Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of IIoT Make podcast, a podcast series where we talk to industrial IoT leaders from all over the world and learn from them about products, platforms, business models, and innovations in Industry 4.0. My guests come from various backgrounds, ranging from early stage startups to large organizations who are driving innovations in industrial IoT. And if you have questions or suggestions, you can write to me at iiotmake at gmail.com. And if you do not want to miss out on any of the episodes, do subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes by searching for IIoT Make. Today, I'm excited to talk with John Steinbeck, who is the co-founder and MD at OEE.ai a firm that implements AI solutions to increase plant productivity. John is also managing partner at Institute of Productivity, Aachen. We will talk uh, with John and ask him what Institute of Productivity is for uh, people who are outside Germany. So, and we will also learn from him how he uses AI to increase overall equipment effectiveness in plants. So let's welcome John. Hello, John. Welcome to IOT Make Podcast. How are you doing today? Hi, Ravi. I'm fine. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. The privilege is mine to have you. So, John, before we begin, uh, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and what do you do in OEE? What are your roles and responsibilities? Yeah, thank you very much, Ravi. I'm yeah, Jan, my name. I am an industrial engineer and I have a working history with IBM and Porsche, respective Porsche Consulting, and also SAIS, the manufacturer of, of glasses and lenses. <clears throat> and um, after these um, periods of time, I'm now since um, more than a handful of years managing partner at the Institute for Productivity in Aachen in Germany. We are operations consultants and um, mainly former Porsche consulting guys. Um, and one of us is professor of operations management at the University of Applied Sciences there. And that's how we chose Aachen as our home base. But also out of this group, we founded OEA.ai. Uh, so <clears throat> this is where I'm the co-founder from. And um, the background is that our consulting clients requested not only Industry 4.0 concepts, but also technological ex execution. And so we delivered multiple projects, and one of them was the first version of what we now call here OAA.ai. And uh, it was literally a, a destination or a travel from a project to a product. Um, which was also in the beginning supported by some um, German governmental funding out of a program called Industry 4.0 for small and mid-sized companies. And this is basically yeah, my history and the, the history of the product. Excellent. Um, so for those of uh, us uh, listeners who are outside Germany, this is a very interesting phenomenon that you just mentioned. So you are from academics. And you also uh, built up an organization. So is it part of the academics or is it because this is the best of two. And I mean, of course, there, I mean, nothing can be better than this. Uh, but is it very common in Germany for uh, academics in universities to also found companies to actually test uh, the ac academic research in building products? 
Yeah, I, oh, common, I wouldn't say common, but here my colleague, so the professor, Markus, Markus Focke, um, he said, um, I mean, he's, he's lecturing on um, industrial engineering, on operations improvements, on, um, on, on, on industry 4.0, obviously. And he said, uh, let's not only talk about it, but let's also do it. So, um, but I wouldn't say that this is, a, this is a common approach. Got it. And what kind of a firm is, uh, is this? Is this a... Uh a private organization or is this funded with VCs or uh, government or how is it? No, these are uh, private organizations. So um, two different organizations. One part is this consulting part and the other part is uh, software or hardware part. These are two companies and they are both privately owned and operated. Excellent. Great. So let's begin with uh, fundamentals, right? So OEE as a term, uh, which stands for overall equipment effectiveness is a very loosely used word. So uh, can you help us understand what the term uh, actually means? Um, yes, for sure. So I'd say it's a, it's a globally accepted measure or KPI for machine productivity. And um, this KPI answers the question if the machine is running at all, um, if the, it's producing at the correct or at the full speed, and if it produces quality products that can be sold to a customer. And um, this is how OEE is measured in a percentage, and the ideal is 100%. So when you have a 100% OEE, um, you would produce uh, with 100% availability, so the machine is running all the time. Um, you have 100% um, performance, which is um, that you are always running at the design speed for the product and for the equipment. And you obviously also don't produce any, any faults. You don't have any scrap. So you also produce 100% quality. And um, yeah, this is basically the OE. Uh, so who defines these terms? Is this, does this come from... Is, so I mean, for example, if there is no standard definition, it's always open to different interpretation so you gave you gave me a definition of oe but where does that original definition come from is it from academics research or where what is the source of this so i think i would say the source is the whole tpm movement so total productive maintenance movement um which is um, let's say in the environment of the of this of the lean lean management lean production um mindset and this is where the OE comes from. Got it. Got it. So you mentioned that OE consists of three factors, availability, performance and quality. Do you want to elaborate more on that, maybe with some real use cases or case studies? Yeah. So um, I think the, these three factors are best explained via the losses. So um, when you lose availability, then your equipment, so your manufacturing equipment is stopping, for example, because of a setup process. Um, so you change over to one pro product to another product, or maybe for a breakdown because um, your machine broke down, or it has a, a driller has a drill has, has is broken, or something like this. These are the availability losses, and the performance losses is um, running at reduced speed. So when you think, for example, of a packaging line um, that has, um, for example, two labelers. Um, and they spend the labels to the bottles or to the to the to the bins or whatever you produce. And currently, only one is working. Then, in consequence, the um, equipment or the line um, slows down because it's not fed with the appropriate uh, number of of labels, for example. And then you have a performance loss. 
And quality losses is um, quite obvious. So when you don't produce okay products, so products out of specification, um, then you have a quality loss. <coughs> got it, got it. And uh, is this uh, relevant to any kind of industry or, uh, manuf or only manufacturing and that to some kind of manufacturing? Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's relevant for manufacturing. And within manufacturing, you would apply it primarily um, when you produce with equipment. So when you only have an assembly process, um, the UAE is, let's say, still possible, but it doesn't have the full, so it's not the full-blown concept then applicable. So usually um, it's implemented when you produce something with machines. Got it. Uh, before I move on, I forgot to ask you about the Institute of Productivity because, first of all, the name is quite unique. What does Institute of Productivity do and since how long has it been uh, in Aachen? Yeah, so this, this is, a, this is um, a group of, as I said, former Porsche Consulting um, consultants and um, we are doing productivity improvements in factories, so operation improvements. Um, also in the environment of um, TPM or in the environment of lean, but we also do um, planning for, for, for layouts or we just recently um, designed a system which is an automated. Uh, Mr. John, you also you mentioned uh, TPM, total productivity movement, quite unique again. Um, do you want to explain that? Yeah, I mean, total, total productive maintenance, by the way. Ah, total sorry. productive maintenance is an, is an approach um, where you try to fight um, the losses in your, in your manufacturing equipment. So um, you integrate the people um, to, to improve the uptime of your equipment. And this is also um, in this environment of um, yeah, productivity improvement, which is based and uh, which has its origin. So same as the, the lean approach, which has its origin in Japan. Got it. Excellent. Uh, cool. Um, so I was going through the website of OEE.ai and it says that uh, uh, it is a system minimally invasive with sensors and tablets. Uh, what do you mean? Do you want to explain that? Yeah. So um, when you when you think of um, when you think of equipment that is producing, for example, a brewery where uh, bottles and or cans are filled, and you have um, bottling equipment that is running at fifty thousand bottles or cans an hour, um, you don't necessarily want to um, modify this equipment. So um, and this is the whole case here um, with our application. Um, we don't need to modify the controls of the system. So there's no change to the, um, to the PLC, so the, to the programming logic uh, control, um, so that, uh, which, which controls finally the equipment. So we use uh, a sensor. Um, which is connected to our own IoT gateway, so our, our way to the internet, and that is what we attach directly to the machine, and so without interference to the machine, and this is where this minimally invasive can come from. And um, this is how we get the actual speed of the equipment, and when this production rate is not according to the expectation, um, we push a notification out um, to a tablet, um, usually it's a consumer tablet, um, and then we ask the operator for um, the reason, uh, why is this equipment currently not running? And um, yeah, the whole idea is to have uh, uh, the, the minimum hurdle 
to collect the required data for the OEE calculation um, because this is usually um, where companies struggle to get um, yeah to get the data out of the equipment and this is why we said let's bypass this and um, yeah so this IoT gateway connects to either the local area network so via cable or to a wireless LAN network um, or also and this is what actually most of our customers use um, there is a mobile data integrated so the, the small IoT gateway has a mobile data plan so we don't even need a wireless network in the factory so basically we need 110 or 220 volts and then we are ready to get the get the data um, for OE calculation and maybe to elaborate a little, little bit more on why we put so much emphasis on this minimal invasive solution um, our experience is that especially in small and mid-sized companies, there is no or very limited PLC programming knowledge. And um, the equipment is installed by the manufacturer of the equipment and it's considered as never change a running system. So this is why they don't have and they don't need um, this knowledge. And um, yeah, so this is why it's hard to get uh, to the right data um, for a professional OEE management and that's the gap we wanted to fill. And this is um, this is a story about minimally invasive. What your question was, right? So, um, so how is it that you can avoid? Uh, so, I'm just trying to understand since my experience is still uh, very new in this industrial uh, IoT. I just wanted what is the normal conditions? So, in normal conditions, is there a lot of PLC modifications required which you are avoiding? Uh, yeah, so I mean, when you want to get um, OEE data, you would need to connect your, or the, 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 the machine would need to give you um, not much, but, a, but some data. Um, so at least the speed at which the equipment is running. So a sensor which takes the data into the PLC, and then you would need to attach the PLC basically to the internet and then transfer this data to us. And first of all, the modification is an issue. Secondly, there's still um, a concern, let's say, um, to connect this equipment to the internet because um, even knowing about firewalls and, and um, yeah, equipment that fights and software that fights any, any attack to your equipment, um, so coming from the internet to your equipment, so the other way, there's still this concern that there might be a security threat and yeah, this is why um, it's trustful to have a system which is completely outside, so where nothing can um, jump into your um, control system from the equipment. And this is also one reason um, why, um, why our system is in demand. Got it. Excellent. Um, how is OEE uh, being managed uh, as of now, when when it, it is not uh, digitally transformed, the plants, what is the current state of uh, OEE management? Uh, do they still use Excel sheets, or what are the old old uh, methods of doing it? Yeah, I would I would say you would wonder how many companies still have um, pieces per shift as the only productivity KPI, um, which is uh, the most basic one. But the this piece, is um, pieces per shift. What does it mean? Yeah, so units, what you have, have you, what did you produce during shift? So ah, okay. um, 150 pieces today between 6 a.m. and 2 p.m., for example. Um, so this is a, often, 
um, and the only productivity KPI. And um, so the next level would be um, an Excel-based OEE, and you would wonder how many companies are not even using this OEE besides the, the question of Excel. And we are actually happy when we find somebody um, who uses Excel because then um, the, the, it takes less words to convince the people of this overall equipment effectiveness concept at all. So um, our biggest hurdle from what we experience is, the, I would say, the missing knowledge around the concept of COEE in the companies. And um, that's, by the way, the reason why we wrote a book about it. Um, it's published with, uh, with Springer in, in Germany and also, unfortunately, only in German. So um, you can buy it at Amazon, but it's in German language. No worries. Um, uh, do you want to tell more about uh, the book? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's, a, it's a book um, from, um, um, it's, it's published within Springer. So um, you can, yeah, you can order it at Amazon and you can read pretty much everything about what's the definition of OEE, how to implement it, where are the, um, what hurdles to overcome, how can you manipulate it. Obviously, it's a KPI. People get creative around it. And um, so this is all written in a um, dense book. It's, um, it doesn't have too many pages, so it's also pretty cheap. So it's also a, a small hurdle only to get this book um, like our product. So <laughs> that's the story behind it. <laughs> and who is your potential audience uh, for the book? Is it factory owners who, who want to digitize themselves? Yeah, so um, I think the, the, the OEE concept and the book is not only about the digitalization of the OEE, but also, um, but um, the, the book is for um, operations management. So think of um, uh, COO, think of the, the plant manager, think also of an improvement department. So when you have a continuous improvement department, um, this is the audience um, the, the, the book um, can serve. Got it, got it. Uh, so help us understand the kind of uh, companies and uh, customers um, your, your, are your clients. I mean, where have you applied already your technology? So um, as type of, of companies, we already talked a little bit about fast-moving consumer goods companies, so um, which is bottling, packaging, um, of liquids, beer or milk or sweets or, or spread or whatever. So um, this is fast-moving consumer goods. Then we have many clients um, in, in, in companies that produce mechanical products, so grinding, turning, welding, stuff like this, um, but not uh, the craftsman type, but the industrial type. So um, we, need a, we need a certain lot size um, which, uh, where, where OEE needs to be applied. So it's not when you, just, when you just weld one piece a day, then OEE is not the right, uh, the right KPI. But um, in this area, so mechanical um, companies, um, the OEE is um, less common than in other industries like FMCG, which I mentioned first. But they are very interested. And this is a segment which is um, quickly growing. And I think we have gained a lot of knowledge in this area and um, have solutions um, where we also can help them now. And the third group of customers actually are consulting companies. And um, they provide via OEE.ai, a digital consulting product. Um, so digital analytics, so to say, um, is a heavy growing, heavily growing concept um, for them. 
And uh, this is a perfect fit because it's um, applied so fast. So you don't need to change anything. And after installation, which takes you half an hour, um, you get um, your OEE and you also get the loss reasons um, via the tablet I mentioned. And um, so this is a perfect approach for a consultant to say these are the topics you need to tackle um, to improve your operational effectiveness. And is this on-premise solution that you offer or is it based uh, cloud-based? Um, so we run it in the cloud. So it's actually um, in a German data center. Um, this is because of data privacy laws. Um, this is sometimes a requirement of customers. Um, so this is why we moved into um, a data center in Europe. And um, yeah, so it's cloud-based and you access it um, via a web browser, and you also need this uh, sensor unit um, to transfer the data. Got it. Uh, so, so since let's 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 talk about AI here. Okay. So, how does your organization improve uh, OE with, with the, so since you said you are AI backed, right? So, wh what role does AI play in this entire scheme of things? Yeah, so um, we re when we receive the data um, from the factories, um, we analyze the data for anomalies. And um, so like pattern in the stoppages or speeds, uh, speed reduction or prolonged um, setup times, um, work orders where, which perform differently than usual. And these anomalies, um, they are not defined by a lower or upper boundary um, by a human but by this algorithm, and they decide, or this algorithm decides what's normal and what's not normal, and this is how, um, yeah, how it's learning. So, so this is how the, the term is. I mean, the, the algorithm is learning. Um, yeah, and we do it all online, and that's how we can point the attention to the problem during its occurrence. So um, that's new. I mean, you don't look anymore on the production number at the end of the shift or at the end of an hour or whatever your, your frequency is, and you find out that you lost units. But um, during the loss happens, you can send a notification to an industrial smartboard, for example, or you can send out an email or whatever you want, and um, draw the attention of the line manager um, to this problem, and you can um, fix it faster and yeah, lose less um, units, you, you use, lose less pieces of production. Got it. Um, so I was just, uh, so my, my assumption was for AI algorithm to become richer and learn over time, uh, it has to process a lot of uh, persistent data, right? So not, not streaming data, but uh, data that you actually store uh, for over time in a data lake. Is that is that true in your case? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Got it. So, um, and and what is your core AI algorithm for, for all these uh, pattern searches and stuff like that? Um, so, we, we are using TensorFlow and um, we, have, we have two types of interfaces. So, one is the expert mode where you need to be able to, to code. Um, this is for the for individual analytics, and there you need to be a, a data scientist, let's say. Mm. And then there is this cockpit um, for an operations manager or for an industrial engineer. Um, this is a standard set of algorithms, and there you can yeah you can get your anomalies in a way that um, you you do don't don't have the need to to configure it or to to, to code it. Um, but it's um, yeah, it's a kind of out of the box. Uh, and 
I mean, so what are the use cases that an out-of-the-box uh, TensorFlow offers and what use cases expert mode would be needed? Is this, uh, do you want to explain the difference? Because this is really interesting and yeah, I mean, you can, for example, with out of the box, you can compare um, different types of modes, how to run an equipment. So is it maybe better for your overall output to run the equipment faster, but um, collecting via this more short stoppages, so micro stops? Or is it better when you run the equipment slower, but have less micro stops? Um, and an algorithm can answer this question. Or you can compare um, setup processes. So how long does it take um, from the first unit to where you reach your full speed of the line? How much time does it take? And um, I mean, this time from zero to 100% um, of expected speed is a kind of indicator for the quality of a setup process. And um, this is also something which can then be identified, um, which was a good setup process, how was it done? I mean, this is something you need to identify on the shop floor, but we can measure um, afterwards um, how, how much quality in the setup process was, for example. Got it. Uh, so um, before you decide on whether you want to use export mode, um, AI or standard mode, you, you do you talk to your customers to understand their needs and what you need to do and then activate that mode or how, how does that work yeah definitely i mean the, um, what is pretty standard is for example the this what we for example talked this filling equipment so these are pretty um, standardized so there's no difference if you fill milk or beer or mineral water or something like this. So there you can use um, pretty much a standard, but um, the rest obviously, I mean, this this is not double clicking and then working. So it's, it's you need to configure it and you need to understand the, the surroundings of the equipment and um, where the sensor is applied. And so it's, it's not 100% out of the box. It needs application. Got it. And then you'd you'd maybe need to price accordingly uh, whether you want an export export mode or standard mode. Am I right? Yeah. So we are experimenting with it. I mean, this is all in the building. Um, so in under under construction. So um, we 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 don't have a, a fixed opinion on this yet. Yeah, because you you said it would need data scientists to run the export mode, right? Because not everybody would would be. AI proficient or algorithm proficient or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So this, this is why we provide these two modes. So there's expert mode, which is um, when you need to be an expert, obviously. But this anomaly cockpit um, mode is uh, without expert. So um, that you have two levels of, of 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 details and two levels of modification options, obviously. So I I, I want to understand from you for all the listeners who might be uh, experimenting with AI and maybe want to try TensorFlow, uh, how do they get, how, how to get started with it? Uh, do they just go and uh, is it, um, how much of um, um, knowledge, upfront knowledge you require uh, to get started or does it need a lot of training if you, if you do not come from AI background? Do you want to shed some light there? No, so for, for us, there is no, um, special education required so we can 
um, the system can be installed and then you get your first um, analysis. The question is obviously when you want to drill deeper, so when you want to compare products with each other or shifts or so, I mean, the options in this area are endless. Then you would need to start to have um, more sophisticated knowledge on this. But um, you can start obviously with a, with a solution um, without any specialized uh, knowledge. Got it. Thank you so much. In your website, you also mentioned about Anomaly Cockpit. Uh, do you want to explain what that is in your uh, product? Yeah, so this is um, this is a non-data scientist solution. Um, so we point in this cockpit to a time where the operation of the equipment behaved unnormal, let's say. So the examples are already gave. The speed was too slow or um, you might have in a certain frequency, you might have a speed loss. Let's say every 90 minutes, the, the speed is reduced to 80% for five minutes. And um, so you wouldn't realize this um, when you um, just look at the, at, the, at the pieces per shift, as we talked uh, earlier, um, when this is your own only KPI, your only productivity KPI, then you wouldn't find out that you have this pattern in your production profile. And um, this is, for example, something which happens quite often. And then the question is, what's happening there? And when you then ask the people, um, why is there a pattern that we have identified? Then there is usually an explanation. So maybe in this case, I just gave you, um, then there is a quality inspection. And therefore, the speed of the equipment needs to be reduced. So and um, this is also something which needs to be emphasized. Um, because we, one part is might, might, you might call it artificial intelligence, intelligence to discover the problem, but the other part is the human intelligence to solve the problem on the shop floor. And um, this is actually where, where the solution comes from. Um, the data only points in a direction, but the people need to solve it um, hands down um, on the shop floor. Got it. Um, I'm just curious, when was uh, OEE.AI formed? Which year was that? Um, so um, the solution is approximately, uh, let me think about it, two and a half years old. Okay. And um, this AI component we started six months ago. Mm -hmm. Got it. Good. Uh, my, my last question here is, uh, since you come from academic and research background, uh, very deep into um, productivity and OEE, where do you see the future of uh, innovations happening in OEE? What do, where are the boundaries that are being pushed uh, in, in this domain? Yeah, that's actually an interesting question. So we, we believe in, in real time um, and online analytics. So be it OEE, whatever, but it's real time and online. Um, we also believe um, on endon boards, so displays above every machine, um, to show the, the actual status and the history of the shift so that we can display what has happened uh, um, in the near past, so in the last hour, in the last two hours, so um, that um, everybody who comes to such an equipment and also the, the people who are running the equipment, they have an eye on um, a visual representation of the performance of the equipment. And um, we believe... Um, in the integration of the shop floor worker, obviously, in collecting and interpreting the data. I mean, it's not this, um, I, I doubt, at least for the next couple of years, I doubt this lights out factory 
um, we will always need the, the human um, the human part of intelligence here inside. Um, and this brings me to the fourth point. So we also believe in the power of this lean management concept to fix the losses by employees. I mean, this concept is 40 years old or even even older, um, but it's still very valid also in today's industry 4.0 world. And, um, and maybe my last point is that the analytics capabilities by, call it artificial intelligence, call it machine learning, um, there's so much potential in it. And um, yeah, this is where the future of, of, of innovation, of productivity management is going to. Excellent. Well, this brings us to the end of an interesting conversation with Mr. John. Thank you, Mr. John, for sharing uh, deep insights about uh, OEE and your organization and about Institute of Productivity. It was, it was really, really valuable. Ravi, thank you, thank you very much for having me. Thank you. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy.